The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. We talk a lot about agencies on this show, but are they really as bad as we say they are? Well, let's ask one and find out. In this episode, we sit down and talk with Charlie Legg of Blue Sky, a local agency, to get his side of the story. We also talk about future trends, how agencies have changed, and how you can best use one and not listen to our advice. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Joe. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Joe with my co-host Nick Constantino of 680 The Fan and the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. Good to see you again, Nick. Good to see you, Trip. Hey, um, you know, we've kind of gravitated from our discussions the last month or so about uh, the different uh, sides of marketing and how do we bring that together. So if you're a business owner out there or uh, uh, in the marketing field, you know, you maybe you have thought about using a marketing agency, uh, maybe use a digital uh, specialized agency. Uh, so we're going to take over the next uh, few weeks and we're going to bring in some agencies and really talk about what is the experience working with a marketing agency, uh, how it is done well, how it uh, can blow up, and uh, some of the things behind that. And I think that's music to my ears. I mean, after 30 years in corporate America, I can God, I'm not even sure I can count all the agencies I've worked with, all the different types from the broadest abroad to the very narrow. Um, and then also, you know, my three years having spent being a strategic agency, sure. which uh, I think was uh, was a great insight for me on the other side of the table. But now that I'm back in uh, corporate America, uh, I think it's, it's, it's an area that enough people don't really understand how to get the most out of agencies. Yeah, yeah, and I would say we probably have had different experiences in that realm, right? You were the one that was hiring the agency to do the buying. I was the one on the other side who was getting that information relayed via the agency. So whatever you said went down to your people, went to their people, went to my people, then went from me to my programming team. See something potentially wrong there? Yeah, Uh, we already have hit one of the biggest problems. So if you uh, are working with an agency, it's communication. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, as we get into this and we're going to have guests on the next couple weeks from the agency world, you know, I think that level of communication is is one of the challenges. And so I said, you know, from the the breadth, there are times, you know, when I was at Kimberly Clark Nina, Old Castle, we would have three to four agencies, but we would have a core strategic agency. You know, their responsibility was the overall brand. So whatever your business is, um, they are helping you direct your marketing, your advertising, et cetera, around that brand. All right, then we might have specific agencies. We might get into the digital tactics. Sure. We might have PR. We might have, you know, a a PR uh, firm that we're working with. Um, But the brand strategy, that agency, we wanted, not in every discussion, but they needed to be in every high-level discussion with those other agencies. To your point, you know, and then you get into media, and the media outlets you're doing, are you bringing all of them together so that you're not getting the old El Paso story? Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, by the time you, you, know, you get to El Paso, wait a second, 
are we going to Utah or are we going to uh, El Paso? At least you can just go north from there. If you're if you're going to yeah. Utah, you can pull a quick turn and go through the mountains and go up north. Well, well, look, you know, part of this show is have guests on, and part of the show is to not let Trip and sit here and our, let our machinations uh, explain the agency business because that would not go well. No. So uh, we are proud to have Mr. Charlie Leg from Blue Sky um, here with us, and you know we're gonna we're gonna hear it from the horse's mouth, man. We're gonna let Charlie kind of explain um, at, at least from his standpoint where the agency value is, what him and his team do, what services they provide, and I'm also he's probably seen some horror stories of what went wrong, what what's gone wrong as many times as what's gone right. So without further ado uh mr charlie lake charlie how you doing i'm doing great thank you gentlemen for having me yeah no charlie it's great to have you here so um, you know this is fantastic and uh yeah let's get it all out there yeah there we go i mean uh, i'm a 20-year vet in the industry currently over at blue sky here a legacy agency in the market um has represented a lot of the top local brands and sports teams in the market over uh the last 28 years um, we're a full-service agency from creative media, um, analytics, uh, performance media, you name it. We do it all. Um, we're, we're a smaller bunch. We're uh, about 30 um, currently at the agency and growing um, by the day. But um, overall, yeah, I'm really excited to be here and talk shop today. Yeah, yeah. we love it. And, and Blue Sky, this is a great example because we're talking local here. And, and it's important to de- delineate between the big mega shops. And, and look, they're, they're still gobbling people up. You still see analytic firms being bought. You still see some of the advanced AI, even these firms are being bought by your big ones. Um, so that's not what we're talking about. We're talking right. about local community, been around, the relationships are there, the network is built. And a lot of times the business you guys get is based on those networks. And, and being small and agile, which I think is a competitive advantage for most. And I think my bet would be a lot of accounts you and similar agencies get are because they try to go with the big guys. It does not go well because there's not a local person and there's no accountability. So they come down to you, who's that kind of sweet spot, that Goldilocks, if you will, yep. of agencies. Not too small that you can't execute and don't have the, the, the clout to execute, but not too big where you're a number and all of a sudden a bigger account comes in and all of that resource is allocated that way. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And really what we can deliver on that the big agencies can't is that agility, um, even collaboration. You know, uh, I've been in this business, like I said, 20 years, five different agencies, both big and small, independent, corporate. And I think really the advantage that, you know, an agency like Blue Sky has is ultimately at the end of the day, the effective internal collaboration, you know, um, I'm a creative guy at heart who got himself into media and numbers and analytics and pushed myself to learn a lot more. And by doing that, um, you know, certainly opened up a lot of um, doors for me personally sure. and ultimately, you know, the type of integrated campaigns that we've been able to deliver on for clients as an agency and I have for uh, at other agencies over my career. Um, but ultimately, um, coming to somewhere like Blue Sky, I can go have a conversation with my creative team. Um, you know, media is in that conversation from the start, for which sure. is so critical. Uh, you know, a lot of shops I've been at, you know, creative drives the process. The idea is born. It's baked. Yeah. And then media. Hey, guys, what do we do with this? So um, that, I think that's a great point. And you said before, you know, as a full service agency, you know, all the things you can do. Maybe give uh, the listeners a, a sense of the individuals, the type of individuals on your team and their expertise. Because I think, you know, with a uh, smaller local uh, full service agency, you do have experts in different areas. And I think that's a critical differentiation versus a small local agency who asks someone to do four different things from email to social media to uh, maybe even media buying. Uh, how would you break that out at Blue Sky? And as far as your kind of the experts you have on your team? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think at the end of the day, our business has changed so much and it's, it's going to change even more within the next 
three months than it probably did in the last two years, right? So having those sub, sub excuse me, subject matter experts um, on board and people that we can tap into for that dedicated expertise, because it's not just about um, spots and dots, not just uh, putting a buy together. Um, you know, really at the end of the day, it's about the, um, you know, the data and the story that we need to tell post campaign and how are we delivering on our clients' objectives and their KPIs. And ultimately, it all starts with just understanding you know, what is the business challenge we're trying to solve for? And that needs to happen across all disciplines, all departments within the agency walls. And everyone needs to be a part of that conversation to start. But as far as the team structure goes, it's really, you know, making sure that our planner, our planning team and our media team is really, um, everybody is a a strategic mind and comes from a strategic background that we're fully integrated across channels and disciplines and that we're proactively going out there and sourcing um, the change that's happening in the market. Um, And with that, it's also making sure that we have those digital investment capabilities, performance media, advanced analytics, um, so that once we get the data, uh, we know what to do with it in real time. We're optimizing campaigns in real time for the the best uh, performance at the end of the day. And then ultimately, post-campaign, being able to go back to our clients and show them that something worked. And sometimes something doesn't work, right? And we need to really assess that and dig in and dive into um, you know what we can do better next time. Yeah, on average, how often do you think you're reviewing those KPIs? This is an annual process. This is a quarterly. Is this is a three year duration? So you said get a set of KPIs. What would you say the average time to reviewing the success of those KPIs? Different for every client. What do you think it looks like that time frame of which you're talking about? Yeah, I think um, really the reality for media right now and analytics is that there is so much opportunity for. Um, um, attribution modeling and getting to an attribution story across channels, right? So I've heard you talk, Nick, on, on the show previously about the mix and channel sure. mix for clients. Right. Um, but ultimately, it's really as we're defining that mix, like what is the attribution story sure. or those channels pay off in the end, right? Sure. W- were we successful? And so right. those KPIs can be twofold, right? Like we, we all talk about click through. We all talk sure. about the, the standard media KPIs. But at the end of the day, what is the business KPI? Yeah. Um, and how do we take attribution tools that we have at our disposal to get to more advanced KPIs that are more- Follow them all the way through the process. Right. Are they oriented? buying? Do we see a lift well, here? And that's what, you know, one of the things we always talk about. And look, a lot of times we're talking to very uh, unsophisticated marketers, but your impressions don't mean anything. Even your engagement rate to an extent, unless you're trying to build brand presence, it is your return on investment. What are these driving to? How, what's your conversion rate of these people? And I think that the majority of businesses that I think we talk to and we've been meeting with don't even have those funnels set all the way up. So you're talking well, big companies that are very clearly defined. They have their own internal teams that are setting up these channels and they're following it through the process, um, which I think is really important. One of the things that, you know, only caveats I would throw there is we do a lot of attribution, right? We have a full system that's tracking the radio campaign to Google Analytics, and people sometimes move too quickly, right? Like, like, oh, a month, it's not working. Like, no, that's not enough data. This is some of the fundamentals of sample size don't change, right? You'll learn way more in three months. It'll count for more anomalies. It'll count for more supply and demand than just doing it over a short time frame. Do you see that, that people rely on it too much and they're trying to change too quickly and they don't let these things take fold? Yeah, I think um, for the bigger brands, the more nationalized brands, absolutely. I think at the local level and the, the the smaller clients and the more localized clients, we're more in education mode. So they're they're much more open and receptive to hearing, okay, just tell us, help us learn about this. Tell yeah, us right. what we need to be doing. 
uh, which is such an advantage, right? And so they're they're more flexible in giving that runway as far as, okay, if you're telling me it takes three months to stabilize the data and get to a true story, they're a little bit more flexible. Whereas if you're you know um, talking about a, um, a much larger 52-week advertiser brand, um, often, you know, they may not as be, be as patient. I, yeah, so, I would have been the opposite, to be honest. I thought the, the big guys would be the ones that were the most flexible and the little guys would be. That's crazy. Yeah, no. So um, you mentioned one thing earlier, Charlie, and that was, you know, start with the business KPIs. And I think that's one of the things, if you're out there listening, um, and I'm curious your, your take, but most people don't share with their agencies what their business goals are. And I think that is a the one of the starts of the big mistake. I don't know how often you get, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish this year, this quarter, whatever from uh, from your clients. Yeah, I think ultimately the more data that's shared, obviously the more you know an agency and stakeholders can ultimately pay off the story, right? So it all starts, you know, with the brief. It all starts with kind of what is the business problem we're trying to to, to solve for. And you guys yeah. are absolutely correct. Um, there's a lot of times we don't have access to that. There's I, I've always, I always joke that if uh, I wanted to get into another business, I would go out and work um, on a client marketing team and uh, as a brief writer because sure. you know so often we don't <laughs> even get a brief, in, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but you know it all starts with that briefing in and right. knowing what success is. And if we're not starting there, we're already a step behind, if not right. more, right? No, so that's a great point. Yeah. And I want to when we come back from the break, I want to kind of start there about ways to set up for success. And what does that success look like? So uh, we have uh, Charlie Legg from Blue Sky on with us. And you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian-style or taco-style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with Charlie Legg with uh, Blue Sky Agency. And, you know, we were talking uh, right before the break about, you know, making sure that we've got uh, that um, communication of business goals. And you were kind of talking a little bit about the brief and uh, making sure that when you're thinking about that, um, you really understand what the your client's trying to accomplish um, so that, A, you can develop your KPIs, and hopefully they have their own KPIs, which I can get into a minute. But I know, uh, Nick, from your standpoint, you know, a lot of times you're on the, the back end, and, you know, um, how does that come across? Do you even understand what, uh, what what's trying to be accomplished in total? Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. And before the break, what you guys were talking about got me thinking. One of the other reasons why length of time on a campaign with a marketer is important. Look, it, it, this is not a scam. I'm not saying market for six months. It's because that's how long it takes for these things to really get going in any level, right? You can always fake it up front, and there's a lot of digital agencies that will really turn the switches on fast to try to start off high, but then it eventually goes backwards. But one of the other reasons is it takes time to build rapport with people on a one-on-one -on -one relationship. I mean, the, I can count on my hand the amount of times I met somebody, and immediately it was just that instant rapport. Like, you're like, oh, my God, how do we trust each other? Like, that kindred spirit 
spirits thing. But most of the times, it takes two years of a business relationship to get a feel for somebody. So in those two years, imagine what you can accomplish with all that information that you now have, where they really tell you their KPIs, where maybe even their margins and which items have their margins. How much easier would a campaign be to make money for somebody if they told you what their highest margin item was, right? Do business owners reveal yeah. that? Not right away, not to some schmuck that they don't know really. So that that's that was the correlation I drew. I want to hear what Charlie thinks about it, but I think that sets up exactly what we're talking about as why these long-term relationships are so important. Yeah, and that frustration, I can imagine how like your world and living that um, daily, but at the same time, I think, and part of this, I think, is putting each of ourselves in each other's shoes and sure. putting our, ourselves as an agency in our client's shoes, sure. um, putting ourselves in our partner's shoes, having our partners understand the challenges an agency's sure. going through, right? Yeah, and that's why we're doing this yeah. podcast yeah. right now, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you're going to hear from everyone's mouth exactly the challenges we have. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think a lot of times, and you know, for clients and certain clients you're trying to develop that rapport, the agency person might not know. The agency person might be struggling to get that information from their clients for sure. and trying right. to get to what success looks like. So. Um, I think really solidifying that partnership and making sure as an agency we're accountable, not just to our clients, but to our partners and making sure that we're passing on data and insights and any, you know, all the information that's valuable for you guys to go out and activate um, against our campaigns most successfully. Sure, yep. and it's not even. I wasn't even talking about the agencies. I'm even talking about direct clients that that own a, a eight million dollar business. I mean, you just don't build rapport that quickly. Now, right. look. Luckily, I have Braves tickets. We have things where you you know you get a couple of beers and you're watching a game. Th- these these rapport building things are a much easier process. As I can only imagine a terrestrial radio station or cable news. Like, how are you building those relationships? I mean, it's really hard to. I'm just yeah. saying in general that if more time was put into these things uh, and built into it, uh, these campaigns would go longer. And I see right now a lot of switching, a lot of moving, a lot of agencies. And I can always tell when agencies are going through this, when I get lots of phone calls from people pretty much asking me, hey, you have any clients that we can work with? I I always feel it that way. So that's 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 why I I bring it up. Yeah, I never had Braves tickets to give away, but um, I'll I'll throw out something that was kind of the the way I operated um, in most of the businesses I had. And I'm curious how this, this stands. But, you know, you mentioned that, okay, you'll have specific people might be working with my um, person responsible for all media. All right. They're working together weekly. They set the KPIs, um, but they're talking every week. But that's at their level. Okay. Uh, monthly, you would be issuing us, you know, kind of a report on those KPIs. And that would get passed around the organization. Um, but then on a quarterly basis, our key um, agencies, whether it's that strategic agency that might be doing digital and media, um, we would have, it, it, in the old days, face-to-face. Now it might be Zoom. But we'd have a quarterly review where I have my entire marketing team um, or you know, a smaller business, maybe the business owner. And we would be going through those discussions. So, because I wanted even you know, person responsible for PR, I still wanted them sure. in the media, part of marketing, on the media, part of marketing, right? PR and so is part it of was, but that it. was that's how we started to get that relationship and understand where we, where we're going on a quarterly basis. And then back to your point, you know, you're not going to make a decision quarterly, but if you started doing some A/B testing, you know, for the next quarter, then it's like, okay, we agreed how long we we're going to wait. And we might say, look, if you find something out on this A-B testing in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, you know, you guys have the ability to start making those changes. That's how we tried to do it. I don't know how that fits with you and what you've seen success or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been an ongoing challenge for agencies, and it's just become more complex as the fragmentation of those relationships have evolved. It's not just the fragmentation of the landscape and consumer behavior. 
the, the, there's more cooks in the kitchen than ever before, yeah, right? right? And the demand to be speed to market, get to market, has never been more important, more critical. And and then you you talk about the social space that's changing more than any space right. every day, right? Um, and then there's different content strategies for social, and it's more real time and in the moment. And then you've got a content shop that's specialized for that. Yep. Um, that maybe isn't talking to the primary agency yep. and the, major, the the brand campaign that's going on at the same time that's augmenting that. So. It's a challenge that I, I, I don't have an answer for to solve mm. because I'd be uh, raking yeah, it in right, if I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's an ongoing challenge, and um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really great, um, you know, proposing that question and thought yeah. around this because ultimately that collaboration, we're all at the end of the day in this for the client's business, right? And the clients yeah. are, clients need the agencies and their partners and sure. they're across the board more so than ever before. But it is really, it's that dynamic of being quick, moving fast, and then making sure everyone's in the conversation and that that collaboration is truly effective um, and meaningful right. across the agency partners. And that's a good point, too. And it's also, what what's the business cycle? So speed, all right, let's say you work with sports teams, right? Um, you know, a quarterly big picture review may not be appropriate because the season may only be uh, five months long, right? So um, when you've got a different type of uh, client, you know, that quarterly holistic review may be great, but you may have to be doing this on a monthly or biweekly basis, you know, if there's seasonal type issues. Yeah. Fiscal year probably has yeah. a lot to do with it also, what your fiscal is. You yeah. offset some people do them beginning of January. Some people start in May. It's all over the place. Yeah, yeah and I think re the reality is really the starting point. If you ask where do we start to fix this, how do we make this better, I think it's really about getting to a cadence and holding partners accountable, but then also holding clients accountable if they're not hitting their marks and milestones sure. for when we need information yeah. to deliver on. Um, everyone's got to be accountable in the process at the end of the day. And that's that's we talk about this all the time. Complacency is the enemy of marketing. And if all of a sudden, if that client is missing your deadlines, right. you run what runs. And that's when you get to the situation where you run the same copy for a year and a half, right? right? The inventory doesn't change. And the worst part is, like, the Braves win the World Series. Georgia wins the national championship. The copy points of what should change should change, but you're running the same copy from two years ago, right. which also brings us to a great point. Well, we're, we're talking about the, how fast the agencies have changed and your space has changed. Um, I want to get into that in detail. But I want to start by saying one of the things that I've noticed is the advent and the amount of money that digital advertising has made in a quick span has really thrown a lot of this off. Because when I hear people complaining about agencies, it is very rarely their media placing agency. It is almost always their digital agency. Uh, and that's another one. When I know they come to me and say, hey, why don't you guys start a digital agency? I know that, there, that there's problems in the marketplace. And look, two things at play here. One. It is in Google's advantage to change their algorithm as quickly as possible to make sure they are maximizing the amount of money in which they make. Same with Facebook, same with all these guys. They control that dynamic into which they can see something with, so all of a sudden an agency getting too much power, tweak, all of a sudden they pull yep. power away. Or, okay, we'll let you make that money, but be certified, pay us a cut back this way. Um, so what have you seen is over the past couple of years that has really changed the space the most? It can be specific things. It can be examples of clients, moments. What do you think has driven a lot of change uh, in the agency space and also in the marketing space? Yeah, I, I think, um, and that's a great point. The, the whole uh, digital is its own beast and animal, right? And, you know, there's so many tentacles and things that kind of spawn off of that from your targeting and optimizing towards results in real time. And that requires agility in its own, right? And yeah. and the staff behind it to support that. Um, but it's, it's also, um, you know, I think 
you know, the realities of the market, right, are the realities of the market and the, re the realities of the, the Googles and the walled gardens and what data, pay, pay to play data, right? Sure. Like, and, you know, you know, how many clients are doing organic and pushing out organic content, not realizing the limited reach behind that um, without paid amp amplification. So I think um, really um, the connectivity of performance media, digital teams, and analytics team, uh, together and working collectively. I, I think I see a lot of times analytics working in a silo, um, you know, digital working more on its own and, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're managing the, the programmatic buy and we're, yeah. we're making sure everything, you know, everything's working as advertised, right? Um, but I think what's kind of missing in that space that I see as a gap is so much of success hinges upon real-time execution yeah. on the agency side yeah. that there's not necessarily um, the rigor the needed at moments in time to kind of share that data or share yeah. what those changes but that's, are. That's yeah. exhausting. If you're doing yeah. this always exactly. in real time, I mean, that's exhausting for the company, for you guys, for the partners, but you're saying it's necessary, that yeah. it has to be right. done because of the way data flows these days, because of real-time analytics, because of the nature of how business is, it's necessary. So yeah. it may yeah. be exhausting, and that's something to keep in mind when you're dealing with your partners is it is an exhausting, it is rigorous, right. and you probably have to hire more people with different, you know, different areas of expertise right. to cover all these things. Yeah, so I'm going to try to dumb that down a little bit, which is my you know, contribution to the show. <laughs> Um, so really what I, what I hear you saying is, for those that aren't as familiar with some of the programmatic and the digital, is when you have your media agency going out and placing your media and they're not connecting to, let's say you've got a digital agency that's working on your SEO and um, your paid ads, getting out of sync, not talking, all of a sudden basically can be counterproductive. What you really want is to be able to make sure that, you know, the SEO side of things is going to uh, be maximized by the ads you're placing. And if you're not talking, you're not working together, basically one plus one equals 1.4. And if you're doing it together, one plus one should equal two and a half. Yeah. And I think it's the the dynamic of the lift on what's required to do, you know, steward a campaign most effectively and, you know, get the most out of it and get the most out of data and get the most out of making those changes together and also communicate with your other IAT partners or interagency teams yeah. um, of what's going on in that moment and be able to have that all happen. The reality is we've just gone to this real-time model yeah. in everything we do. And on the agency side, you know, it really is an expansion that continues to need to happen across teams and yeah. resources to make sure that th there's someone there to pull those levers. But I think the one gap, again, is it's not just having someone there to pull the lever, having someone there that maybe, you know, is stewarding and fostering cross communication across sure. the organizations. Yeah, it's a great point. One of the things we talked about last week, especially was when you are heading towards time of economic uncertainty, marketing industry has contracted as a whole. When you're heading to those times, leaning on your partner is the thing that you should do the most. You should be communicating more, not less. You should be leaning. You should be saying, look, this is not a I need something. This is a what else can you do for me? Right. What else can you make sure someone is overlooking this? Maybe it is you overlook it once every two weeks instead of once every month. Because right, right now, uh, you got to be better with your dollars. Everyone's got to use yep. their dollars better. you got to target better. Maybe what was working for targeting even six months ago is not working for targeting anymore, right? I tell people all the time, in my experience, when you go towards recession, the bottom of the funnel alleviates a little bit or you lose some of that, right? Not everyone's searching for, want to get new windows in my house because no right. one's got 40 grand just sitting in their bank account. So it's maybe it's time to go back to the top of the funnel, reinvest in brand, yep. really build that so when the next upswing comes, you're ahead of your competitors. Now, 
you know, that's not the easiest thing to have a conversation with somebody who just saw their numbers cut by 30% from the right. previous year. But at the same time, those are marketing fundamentals that I think are important. So, you know, my, my advice and the same advice we've shared is, you know, this is probably a good time. I don't think a client coming to you saying, let's talk should ever be a bad thing, right? Those are right. things where, no. yeah, let's talk. Cause if we can re get on the same page then it's gonna really help everybody. That being said, don't just give me a set of tasks, say get on the same page and then just turn your eye. You gotta be constantly in contact. Yeah, absolutely. And we encourage that. And we really see ourselves as an extension of their the marketing team. We have to, right? We have to be immersed in their business. Um, but sometimes there isn't control over a conversation they're having with another partner or a meeting or being involved. And so we have to be better at making sure we're um, assertive um, and making sure we were, have a seat in, at the table in those conversations. Yeah. And I think, you know, right now, if, you know, an agency comes to a CMO or a, a business owner and says, hey, here's what we're seeing in the marketplace. You know, we really think you ought to slow back, slow down for the next six to eight weeks because of something so that you've got more budget to spend when we think things are going to be more advantageous to you in May, June, July. You know, that's pretty valuable to a leader. Absolutely. Right. And but there aren't a lot of agencies that do that. They kind of take the orders and run with them. Yeah. And again, I think it really depends. Um, you know, I, I've been, like I said, at five different agencies sure. and, the, and the people around you and, and the setup. But ultimately, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there needs to be a proactiveness to uh, communicating with clients about, hey, I've signed off on the dollars, the authorization signed. You're good for the year. But, you know, what, best use of funds. And, and that's absolutely something we we strive for at Blue Sky. And, you know, as I uh, mentor my team and, and team members at the agency ultimately to be accountable for. Um, you know, it is picking up a phone and uh, something that's uh, not necessarily as easy to do with uh, the younger generations, as sure. we all know, but um, ultimately any form of communication to make sure, hey, we're, we're good stewards of your business. Sure. We care about your business and we're here to drive results on your behalf. Sure. Almost it, for me, it's almost being pushy. Right? Yep. Y yes, yeah. I'm pushing you because this is your money in hand, right? I shouldn't be the one pushing you. You should be the one pushing me. We deal with it often. I do have a question. So let's set up a hypothetical scenario. You have a, a, a medium sized client. Great. You set up the campaigns. Let's talk about the end, the recap. Okay. Sure. So um, one of the things that I've found is the more data you present, the more kind of looks of, I don't know what you're talking about that you receive back. To what level, when you present a recap to a client, do you share the data points? Do you share recaps? Do you share just highlights? It, most times, are you going into the weeds and showing these things? Are you showing attribution modeling? Are you showing lifts? Are you showing how a funnel goes through on Google Analytics? To what extent are you sharing that, or is it on a case-by-case -case basis? Um, and, and I ask because like one of the things I we really do I share my work. It's like math class back in the day, right? You can go on your calculator. We used to have our TI-86s, and when I wasn't playing <laughs> Drug Wars or something on my yeah. phone, uh, I was just cheap, just running the numbers. So show your work. So I show. I'm like, here's the lift, but yeah. here's the actual analytics yeah. report. I go, just look at it. I don't think anybody looks at it, but it's the same thing as like when I was in high school and I would cut class, I would send a note saying I was going to be out and I would sign my mother's name and put the phone number on. Nobody ever yeah, called no. because I put the phone number <laughs> on. So it's the same thing. But what to what level do you share that information? To what level is your job to really break it down to something they understand? I'm curious about that recapping, how that works. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because I, I think at the end of the day, it is you know unique to the client and ultimately what they need, right? Um, I would say this, I think from any anal analytics team um, and partnering with an analytics group, the one, a little bit of a gap is you find people that are passionate about data, people that cultivate data, they love being in the numbers, but may not be as effective storytellers of data, right? Yeah, right. So really where what clients want is someone that can come into a room and tell an effective story around data. So it's really kind of making sure 
as an agency, we staff and have the right players on our side that can do both. And so, you know, I, I think certain clients, I'll give you an example of, of ours, you know, we, we may be doing monthly reporting and we're going to continue to share monthly insights. Sure. But the value is in a quarterly read where you can really see change, right? Um, a lot of times you, not, you obviously can't, you know, distinguish a, a huge learning curve month to month that you sure. might be able to in a quarter. So right. um, things like attribution yeah. and modeling like that, those tend to be more partnerships and things that we sign on in the beginning if there is a specific campaign or an opportunity um, to really get to more granular and deeper into insights. And, Got it. Yeah. So maybe and for a sale or something. And that's, right. you know, the diversity yeah. of expertise. I think that's so important as you start to work with an agency. And, and I remember one story. This actually wasn't an agency, but it was another service provider that had some great young, sharp talent looking at the data. And then they came to me and they said, well, hey, we're trying to understand why you had this huge 50% revenue lift uh, that started, you know, uh, second quarter of last year. And I was like, uh, we acquired a company. You know, and it's a case of, look, they could mine the data, but they didn't have the expertise right. to Absolutely. really understand, whoa, what's going on in the business? This one wasn't that hard. But I, I think we see that sometimes with certain specialty companies that they can do the work, but they don't necessarily understand what it means all the time and, and, between and that, the lines. And that's where the accountability falls on the agency to make sure. I mean, you're, you're bringing more junior level people that are entering the agency because they're passionate about data. But we need to be bringing them along on their journey and their career path to make sure that, um, you know, they're understanding the the output of the, the results, what the results mean there. And they become effective storytellers of the data themselves. Right. Yeah. That, that, that storytelling part. I saw this great. I mean, it was all over LinkedIn, but it was uh, data. And it was just Legos thrown on the floor. Yeah. And then it was it was the Legos were sorted. And this is like yeah. when you sort data, this yeah. is and then here's the storytelling. You build the house, house. out of the Legos. And, and it is, a you know, there's software that does it. You have mapping and Tableau and things that can yep. map this stuff. Sure. But again, you're still talking a pretty as graphically if you're not data inclined, it still means nothing to you. So that storytelling is important. The thing I think is important is that it cannot be anecdotal, and that's where we have switched. What used to be anecdotal, and a lot of this is because of the flaws in Nielsen, but it used to be, hey, yeah, we reach a wealthy white guy in the suburbs, right? That used to be our story, and now we have 100 million sessions that are saying that that's exactly the story, but now with nuance. Like, one of the yeah. nuances is, like, I would say our audience never fast food, okay? Just, it's, they're too hoity-toity for fast food. Well. <laughs> Number four on our on our on our segment. Sure. You know why? Because they're busy as can be, and you know right. when you eat fast food. So I joke. And the other thing is salons. Okay. You ask any dude you know, not one will say they go to a salon. Okay. You ask in a classroom, in your in our sales pit, who goes to a salon? Everyone's like me. Yeah. So it's things they do. They just might not tell their buddies that yeah. they do them. Sure. So getting that data story, but being able to tell it in a story, and it's not reading off Google Analytics because no one even knows what the heck half that stuff means. It's that storytelling that I think you're right, and I think you know one thing you and I are similar at, which is actually going to make Make me rip up segment three's complete segment and redo yeah. it uh, is I pride myself on being a good mix of creative and analytic. And yep. that is a broken model. It's different sides of yep. the brain. Yeah. It's not very, and when you can combine those two things to have the insights, to understand, look, this may not show the analytics, but I promise you this worked. Right. This sparked something. And it's that emotional connection, right? You think back of your favorite ads. You don't think with data. You think of something that just stood out in your head because you remembered it. And, and that's important yep. also. Um, so we got some time left. Let's, let's talk a little bit about future, what we, what we see going forward, where we see future change. Uh, we were going to do it in segment three, but again, I'm ripping that up. We're starting something else. So let's yeah. talk <laughs> Let's talk future change. Let's talk sure. about some things you see maybe in the next three months, maybe the next year. Yeah. No, overall, I mean, I think some of the, the things that have been talked about the last couple of years are still kind of those hot topics, right? So 
um, you know, um, a cookie-less world, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously that that timeline has changed yeah. and, you know, many should, times, many times and it could change again. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So um, those yeah, things, Google being down the way they are in their stocks makes me think that they're not rushing to get rid <laughs> yeah. of their primary right. moneymaker until they have a strategic no. plan. And so we got about 90 seconds before uh, the break. Why don't, why don't you just tackle, tell people a little bit about what, when it eventually happens, the cookie-less world may mean for them. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, right now through cookies and the use of cookies, we're able to, you know, get, you know, extremely granular as far as our audience targeting, our audience first capabilities, understanding not just somebody that's been on a site and what they've been doing in the moment, but within a a look back window, right? So Mm -hmm. the data is invaluable because it really informs behaviors um, and affinities, right? So, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about things like contextual and attention metrics and different things and a lot of buzzwords and we'll see where they go. Um, But, you know, I I think the the long-term, you know, kind of where we're headed um, is an unknown, and yeah. really, what's going to be that currency when cookies go away, or if cookies go away, is is TBD. Yeah. Do you find it creepy that the first party data is actually creepier than the the cookie data? Like, I have seen some first party data that oh, yeah. gets way more granular than anything that Google Analytics or Adobe or any of those guys get, yeah. and that's what freaks me. And I also think they have very little background to actually say where they're getting it from. Yeah. Like, well, it's a CRM ten, and we're mining this out, so, or we're matching these things uh, together, and this is coming back, or we're pinging this. I go. That's not an answer. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, smoke and mirrors because it, it can be scary what's out there and what, uh, you know, what you think you fill out this. Trip has and, an 803 credit score. I'm yes. Just I'm, just uh, I'm, just, I'm just guessing. Yeah, hey, great. All right. But, uh, well, this has uh, been great. When we come back, let's we'll dive in a little more to, you know, what does the future look like? Uh, you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian-style or taco-style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Uh, Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with the Marketing Mad Men and our special guest from uh, Blue Sky, Charlie Legg. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about what the future holds, and I think maybe the best way to do this in the, the last segment here is let's talk about um, the mediums you see and maybe a sense of what you think is going on right now, what your your thoughts are for the future. And, uh, you know, this can also include uh, rants, you know, Nick, not that Nick will uh, have a rant uh, here and there. So anything but under 30 positive. seconds is not a rant, by yeah, the way. So, uh, and I'll keep under 30. I'll time myself on each one. Okay. So why don't we start off since we're on uh, radio format? Why don't we uh, start, uh, Charlie, with you and uh, your thoughts around radio? Yeah, I mean, radio, always been a proponent, um, you know, a inf- pure influencer channel from the beginning, connectivity, dynamic, um, obviously change is happening. Um, you can look at radio two ways, right? Radio is a distribution channel or radio is a format. Radio as a format is thriving, even if distribution is going down, right? Across, across different, uh, whether it's podcasting or sure. different audio portals. 
Yeah, my, my quick two cents is there's very few mediums that you control the content, the production, the advertising, everything from the ground up. Uh, consolidators, the big guys, have destroyed it. They've made it about local. They've they got rid of local. It's about national. They're syndicating, which gets rid of the personal connection that radio had to the community. Um, but if you find the right radio partner that's willing to do it, and they exist in markets, and they're going to come out of the weed work as some of these guys uh, go bankrupt, I think it's a really powerful medium. Don't look at it as just radio. Look at it as a connection to the community. All right. Uh, so we talked a little bit before about programmatic. Let's. Uh, what's your take on uh, those trends? Um, precision, audience first, um, also dynamic, getting to the most qualified audience in the most efficient way. Yeah, uh, same thing. I think if you have a very strong brand, programmatic works really well. If you have clear KPIs and a strong brand, you can A-B test. You're flooding da- data in the right place. You're getting at the right thing. Uh, I think most people don't understand how to use it. They're being sold a fake bill of goods right now, and they're just being told to do it at incredibly high CPMs. Um, so a lot of people are talking about it was fun, the, by the way. Yeah, I know. I, it's, I like uh, it's like the it's I'm, like waiting, I'm waiting to buzz. Yeah. And yeah, well, you know, uh, when you said you were going to have a quick two cents, of like the only thing quick is your uh, your speed of voice. But we're going to uh, slow it down by fifteen <laughs> percent. Um, so a lot of people are focusing on podcasting these days. What do you uh, think about it with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the challenge out the gate with podcasting was scaling and some of the uh, limitations from a creative production side, right? It was uh, you know, a lot of advanced timing needed to get a message to market, um, but that's all changed. It's more dynamic now. And uh, looking at podcasting is not just the the distribution of podcasting, but what is the greater content opportunity that can surround podcasting with the connection to social? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think there's the big ones do a really good job of it. I think that there's too many podcasts. They're starting to wean themselves out. Um, and I think it, it's different than radio and a lot of other mediums where the pre-roll is the important thing, where the mid-roll is the important thing. Because if you listen to the first 12 minutes, you're certainly going to listen to the last 12 yep. minutes. Super. All right, let's, uh, let's hit social, but let's focus on you know, kind of an area that probably would hit most of our listeners and you work on, you know, the B2C space. Uh, let's do Facebook first, and then we'll, we'll come back and do Instagram after that. Yeah, I mean, um, scale, um, obviously older, um, still effective for obviously, um, um, you know, and uh, the most efficient, one of the most efficient channels that you can purchase, right? And more dynamic and in the moment. Uh, I think the challenge for any social, not just Facebook, has always been, uh, you know, for any advertising where if you're watching TV and you're seeing a commercial, um, you're conditioned to watch that commercial potentially, right? Whereas uh, if you're on social, you're not there to interact with brands, right? You're there for other reasons. So the brands have to work much harder to break through on platforms. Yeah, board by work hard, much harder. It's tricky into checking on that. And I've always been told it's that first three seconds. If you don't click on it in the first three seconds, you're probably not clicking on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's always ridiculous things that almost have nothing to do with the product that you're that they're clicking on. Uh, you know, my, my two, I'm very 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 similar here. I think the only problem that you have with social is that it works best for visual images when someone's looking and to buy something and conduct that transaction quickly. I think as a brand builder and what people were trying to do within the beginning is not as effective. And if you look at your Facebook feed nowadays, which I only look at because I have to do it for work, yeah. uh, it is just selling garbage products one after another that they want you to buy right there. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's uh, move on to uh, another good one from a uh, consumer perspective, and that's Instagram. Yeah, I mean, just uh, complementary to Facebook, um, you know, different audience verticals. More of that pure influencer environment, right? Um, just you know, I think for brands, it's a real opportunity for them to, um, you know, show up in a, in, a, in a much bolder way from a brand perspective, um, and really kind of give line of sight, you know, to their products and services um, in a different way. I think Meta is going to destroy it. So if you like Instagram, use it now because I think they're losing yeah. money so fast. Someone's going to pull a trigger and say, "We got to figure out how to make more money," and they're going to bleed Insta for all it's worth. 
Yeah, I think that that would be a shame because I think, you know, I've dealt with a lot of lifestyle brands and then home improvement brands. And I think Instagram's probably underutilized and is a better source for those those categories. And um, you'll find a way to destroy it, I promise. Yeah. All right. uh, Television. Yeah. I mean, uh, ultimately, uh, we all know the story there. Right. Um, People are our advertisers continue to invest there. CPMs are high and less people are watching. So you're building more frequency with the same people than you have been ever before. Um, This is the year where those streams are crossing as far as people that will engage through connected channels versus those that have paid subscriptions. So we're finally there. Um, And, you know, ultimately, I think it's more of that localized television that will remain current ultimately and that localization and your news is and just kind of that more community aspect that local TV can provide. Yeah. Happy to be in sports because that will thrive. Every time I thought a sport was going to be down, it's not the case. So happy to be in sports. That's something people have to watch live. You can't hear about it after the fact. Happy to be in sports. Uh, The other thing I think about TV, one of the problems I have with Hulu and connected TV is the repetitiveness of the ads. Um, There's no surprise. There's nothing new. There's no discovery as to where you watch a TV broadcast. You're like, oh, that was cool. That was new. I mean, my Hulu feed is the exact same commercial over and over and over again, which is actually a detriment to the brand, I personally think. Might be what I watch. Might be those. I'm I'm watching an hour a day. um, But it is so repetitive it's almost gotten to the point of obnoxiousness and i almost want to go back to old tv i should have come in with the buzzer there are we uh, i think you're over time um <laughs> we need to ask you that's a great point yeah. i think uh you know connected tv is still a little bit of the wild west right so it's uh while the, the hardware and smart tvs and you know the the consumer behaviors there you know the quality of inventory where your ad's showing up uh that's a great point you know frequency caps right things like that that are just so critical to make sure we're not hitting people over the head with the same message are, are ultra, ultra critical. And I think that's a big opportunity for the connected space to improve upon, yeah. um, which hopefully And they're we'll investing see. in doing it. Oh, and yeah. I think, I think Trip, let's, uh, let's keep this one going after. Let's yeah. just keep going. So let's cut it off for the radio show. We'll keep going on the podcast. You know, I think that's, that's absolutely a great point. Um, and I think as, uh, you know, Roku and Apple and Netflix enter this space, there's going to be influx of tech. And I think it's oh. also going to drive CPMs up, unfortunately. You mm-hmm. think more people owning a marketplace would drive them down. I think it's going to drive them up because the tech is going to get more expensive. So I think over the next six months, OTT, if you will, and connected TV is going to change faster than just about anything sure. else also. Um, you know, we're even in that space. And oh, the ability absolutely. to get on-demand content and for any content creator to put it out there. I mean, we're being begged to do a Roku channel. We're being begged to be on Comcast television because everyone wants this content. I find it fascinating because if you look at the TV, I don't know what 100 of the 250 channels are on television. And why are they asking us to have it? I just don't understand yeah. it. Um, but I, I really think out of all the ones that are going to change, this is the one that is going to change the fastest and drive a lot of change in other places. No, I think there's uh, there's so many new entrants, both on, as you said, the distribution side, but also the analytics side. Yep. I mean, I think that's where it's you know night and day who's coming in with the next level of analytics, to your point. So. Right, absolutely. Hey, um, real quick before we uh, wrap up on the, the, the show here, why don't, uh, Charlie, just give a quick 30-second uh, again about Blue Sky, and, uh, um, and then we'll uh, wrap up and get back into the uh, connected TV discussion. Yeah, appreciate the, uh, the free ads here. Um, yeah. yeah, no, Blue Sky, um, we're, we're, we're exci- I'm excited. Um, I joined Blue Sky back in May, um, almost been there a year, um, and we're building something really great there. Um, from the legacy Blue Sky um, relationships we've had over the years in market um, to um, just the ways we're ramping up and uh, guiding the agency through a digital transformation um, to, to where we're going. So um, ultimately, um, you know, excited to be at Blue Sky. Um, we've got an amazing culture, and that's something we didn't talk about much on this pod, but culture 
Culture's everything at an agency, yeah. um, and we've got a great one at Blue Sky. Welcome back to the Marketing Madman podcast with uh, Trip Job and Nick Constantino and our special guest, uh, Charlie Legg, with Blue Sky. You know, at the last segment, we were talking a lot about connected TV, and I think we, we probably hit it pretty well as far as, uh, you know, everything that's changing. It is going to change the industry. Um, let's. We didn't talk about, uh, I guess there still exists cable TV out there. Yep. Um, but compare it a little bit. And what are your thoughts on cable TV these days? Yeah, I mean, I think overall cable, um, you know, I, and, and as we see with all these mergers and consolidation, right? Like it's really what what's the output of those and what's happening and even just with Discovery and, uh, and Turner and everything that's going on. It's, uh, um, you know, I think that there's, there's moments in time and where brands can be absolutely opportunistic, um, whether it's seasonal. Um, you know, we've executed a few campaigns for clients this year around the holidays where sure. there's just some really um, high engage, engagement quality program around the holidays on certain networks that sure. ultimately is their, you know, kind of their Super Bowl, right? So it's, I think it's really just being um, more agile and placing those funds and really understanding at the end of the day, like where the opportunity is from programming. Um, just you, you brought it up. Uh, ultimately, there's 250 channels and right. most people are watching five or less. Yeah. Yeah. My quick two cents is this all goes back to creative. If you mm -hmm. have a good creative agency, creative good, if you're good at it and you're putting out good creative content, I think cable's an absolute benefit. The problem with cable is when you watch these crappy home improvement commercials from companies that have no business making commercials that just destroy it. And they're, they're, you're watching on a widescreen TV, they all of a sudden letterbox, they go to a small thing and it just ruins the entire experience. And I, again, look, I'm a marketer. I've been my whole life. It may just be me sitting there be like, oh, my God, and I changed the channel because of it. But I think that's one of the problems. The quality control is much less because there's no barrier to entry. I, uh, I actually have good friends that have uh, done uh, cable ads over the years, and I just saw – I haven't seen it, but I saw their link to their new ad last night on Facebook. So it's going to remind me to go uh, take a look, but I'm, I'm kind of cringing um, already. So – uh, Which is a shame you can you can do an ad on an iPhone. I mean, you shoot uh, 4K on your phone. These are not these are not super advanced things. It used to cost what to produce a, a commercial? 50 grand, 40 grand. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine people charging that these days. Any equipment can do the exact same as what used to be. You used to need an yeah. Avid system. A laptop can produce these videos now. Yeah, and, and everyone is I'm sure is a big fan of the bookend 15s where you're you're seeing the same message back to back uh, in a pod, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's called they didn't have copy and they had 15 and they're making you run 15s back to back because right. I played that game before. It's not a fun one. So we're talking about podcasts a little bit. Let's go to uh, some other uh, areas such as uh, Pandora, you know, and some of the other, um, you know, key audio type channels that uh, are obviously big focus, I would say, for uh, younger audiences and young and mid-adult. Yeah, and digital audio overall is projected to grow 13% next year, right? It's going to continue to grow. Um, and time spent with audio is continuing to grow overall. It's that journey through audio that's changed, right? It's the moment from getting in my car to being at the office or being at home and how I'm listening to when I'm working out, right? And, yep. I'm, and what device and at what time and what moment. So it's, it, 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 that's, that's a great thing for audio because audio usage is increasing. Yeah. Um, but for platforms, it's really kind of the, you know, you've got those pure players and you've, uh, you know, your Spotify's and your Pandora's, but you've also got the terrestrial folks, right? Yep. And really folks that are listening for terrestrial radio. So uh, I think it's for any client, it's continued investment in those, um, platforms and, and digital audio as a channel and, and the targetability and the data accountability that you can put on those channels is just invaluable at the yeah. end of the day. 
Yeah, I, I think from someone who sees it from the back end, who's able to place those ads on our digital streams, there's a couple important things here. One, uh, it's just getting it in people's hands when they want it, right? So it used to be a radio show, it used to be linear. Now all of a sudden you can listen on demand. So if you missed it, you check it the next day. You have these pod, you have all these different forms of content, of audio content, which is really important. The other thing is just the relationship with the car, I think is important to point out here. Yep. You know, you watch TV, I am the worst. I'm, I'm on my phone, I'm chasing a kid, but when I'm, I'm in my car driving, like you're not allowed by law to do anything yeah. else. You yeah. can't be playing on your phone. So you are hyper-focused and that's where that audio really resonates, which makes that brand very powerful. I'm a serious user. I mean, that's where I pray 80% of my car time. He listens to 6A The Fan all yeah. the time. Don't I said 80%. <laughs> I still have the 20%. I, 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 look, I think, I think you're right. I think yeah. I've seen our listenership skew almost 30 35% going over to the app and to the stream. A lot of that is intellectual property. We play the Braves games. The tech, Georgia Tech audience, yep. uh, I don't think they're as actively engaged, but on a Saturday morning, they're like, how to get the tech game? And they'll grab our audio stream because it's hard to find it on TV. Yeah. So I think one of the things we've changed is we've become a little bit more aware of our surroundings. It's hard to get the Braves games, right? So doing a, a, an SEM ad that says stream Braves, it's an audio stream, but it's still a stream. And all of a sudden, if you capture somebody, you'd be surprised how quickly they stick with things if it's content that they like. So I think yeah. we always used to think of it as it's a detriment to the radio station. And now we finally look at it as like, look, just get them in your ecosystem. Yeah. Whether that be a podcast, a stream, it's all you need. I want to add one more question to this sub subject, then we'll go to the next medium. But um, what would you tell people that are concerned with, oh, yeah, but uh, you've got the ability on some of these subscription services to uh, be ad free? you know, Pandora and others. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, the reality is the subscription rate and adoption rate of free services is is at very small scale. Obviously, if that changes, it creates a whole another dynamic to the, the sales model, right? And I think the reason that these um, platforms offer that is because it isn't necessarily going to take away from an advertiser saying we're not getting people at scale, right? But if that were to occur, it becomes a different conversation. Yeah, mm -hmm. one thing's a question about programmatic, just if you dealt with it. So this radio station has its own digital audio stream, and we control some pre-roll, okay? So that we actually mimic our ads on our stream because our advertiser of this radio station is what keeps us in business. We're very good at making money. We outbill everybody in town for those advertisers. But we've run some pre-rolls and some out-of-market stuff. Uh, the number one advertiser on Extra 106.3, a conservative talk station, was Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Number one. And my question is, is... Do the does the content know that it's a conservative station, or is it just picking up that it is a certain age demographic? And why would Stacey Abrams spend so much money on a station that is so far right that they would never vote for her? Yeah, that's a good question. I think sometimes, I mean, data is not a perfect science either, right? There's times. I mean, I've seen prog programmatic work in a in a capacity that the there was a tragic situation with a, a client, and they had a product that was named after. Um, um, something that happened, an animal that was part of that story, yeah. unfortunately, oh, well. and it showed up and it almost made like the ad as a proponent of what had happened oh. and we had to pull it, right? So it, like programmatic at the end of the day, it's not a perfect science by any means. Neither is attribution, right? For like sure. Even attribution Thank model. God, I'm glad he said it. Yeah. I, I was going to yeah. try to get it out of it. I'm, I'm going well, to highlight that one, bold uh, that one. But it is the most targeted way we can get to the right eye, eyeballs or ears in a moment. I think 70%, yeah. I think it's a 70% model, right? Yeah. I think there's still 30% to go and I think it gets all the way up to 85, 90%. But again, ultimately, it's cross-channel attribution, right? Is, are you really going to be able to follow somebody from their yeah. computer to their cell phone into a store? And I think the people that are lean, leaning on that are thinking wrong. The technology is not there. It is yeah. almost impossible, especially when you talk VPNs and the, the concerns about privacy and the trust in Google right. and Facebook. I mean, I'm on a VPN all the time. For all you know, I'm in Scandinavia. That's where I usually <laughs> yeah. reside. So, like, I, I get it. But also, I think the people most likely to be oblivious to those things are the less with the less propensity to spend. 
Yeah. Right. The people who are the, the smartest people who you think have the most money are the ones that are being very protective of their identity and where yep. they go and what they do. So it's almost like those modeling that you're talking about is going to the lowest common denominator right. in a simplified form. But that's one of the issues I have. Right. Um, a couple more real quick. Uh, let's uh, let's hit out of home. So billboards, digital billboards, uh, digital signage, which we see a lot more on the retail side of things. Uh, what's what's your view there? Yeah, I think that's um, obviously, you know, pandemic as most channels were impacted, you know, you, you saw a, a big, big impact out of home for sure. Um, and I think, you know, out of home as a mass channel will always have a role. Um, you know, I think um, I personally over my career have gotten excited about campaigns and programs where we've been able to deliver more integration around out of home sure. and activation on the ground and do things that are fun and exciting, right, at, at events. But, uh, you know, I think programmatic plays a role here, right? Yep. Like programmatic is now... Out of home is now programmatic. Yep. It's audience first. Um, you know, there's retargeting off of out of home, digital out of home of somebody whose device has been within uh, yeah. you know placement of an ad. It's more dynamic, right? And it's not just freeways and mass reach anymore. It's getting into gyms. It's getting into grocery stores. It's getting into places where there's an opportunity to be more dynamic with the message in that moment um, yeah. that would be more relevant to a consumer. Yeah, I think the, the, that industry has done a good job of reinventing itself and making itself sexy. And unfortunately, I don't think radio has gone through that resurgence yet. I, I don't think that, you know, my buddy worked for a company called Rapify. It's a Inc. Top 5000. And he was on the show and he was talking about those things, the attribution yep. model. And yep. I was like, how do you do that? And I still don't completely believe it's done <laughs> the right way. But, but regardless, they have had that resurgence. Tech invested money and reinvented that. The radio industry has still yet to see that resurgence, right? Like we may be here out preaching about radio, but ultimately we're an events company. We hold intellectual property to the Braves oh. and the Georgia. We have all these other arms. I think radio is due for a reinvention. I just d don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. So you both mentioned it. Let's hit, uh, I'll, I'll have the big topic, experiential, which includes events. Um, your, your take there. Yeah, I, I think um, obviously we're seeing a resurgence coming out of COVID. Obviously, COVID had a significant impact on on that. But I, I think um, it, it's, you know, we could talk about events, but I, I, I think of it more in the form of integration, right? Because mm -hmm. it's the, you know, um, and when I was talking about radio being more dynamic, that's a big part, part of it. Of it. Yep. Um, it's the some of the parts that a radio partnership can Get deliver, off, right? Yep. So it's not just the reach and... Um, scale, but it's also what's the on the ground experience that's going to get somebody engaged and excited. Um, and how do we give consumers experiences that are unique and special and something that they can take away with them that's they're going to just yeah. like their friends might not be able to you know, experience at the end of the day. And it's getting harder and harder to do that. One of the things I saw at Live Nation, so I was the sponsorship director in Live Nation for two years before I came here, and that audience is very hard to reach, so they had to go through great lengths to create some content that they would like, right? The problem with that is you're still reaching an audience that has a short attention span because they're here, they're about the music. One of the things about our tailgates I find fascinating Radio people have a relationship with advertisers. They understand that those advertisers is why the content exists. So we did a Super Bowl party. We had driving and crying playing. The people would go and talk to every single sponsor booth, like yeah. unsolicited. Yep. They go talk because they understand that relationship. We have an audience now that is being grown by almost having to being tricked into taking these ads that doesn't have that same relationship. They want instant gratification. They want things for free, which I think is going to be the hard part for experiential. I also think the days of the festivals are dwindling and everything's going to get much more intimate and smaller. Yep. Because Coachella had $44 hot dogs. I mean, it's, it's just broken. The model is not there anymore. I think there's security concerns. I think we're going to get much more smaller and intimate with our events, which I'm very happy for because yeah, I, I think that's where we should be. I agree, yeah. and I think that intimacy 
is valuable. I think that sure. intimacy, oh. that's that's going to drive the sale at the for end sure. of the day. Yeah, no, and, and it's really targeting that customer. So I'm going to skip print and uh, email let's do, let's and a few do, others. Let's do sports marketing and let's, sports let's wrap marketing. Well, we I was going to yeah, I was going to uh, throw two more social sure. if you want to do so. Sure. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll come back and we'll end on sports marketing. But uh, let's do two quick social. Uh, one that I Nick can't wait to, to hear my see my reaction, and that is TikTok. Yeah, I mean it's the shiny thing, right? And you know, it has a role, and and I know every it's it's kind of our the nature of our business. Like everyone wants to be involved when something new comes out, it's exciting and engaging, mass scale. Um, you know, I think it really depends on the marketer. Um, you know, I think if you're a marketer that is out there saying I need to be on TikTok just because it's the shiny thing, yeah. but it's not an authentic connection to content, then that's a, that's a miss, right? Yeah. But if you're a marketer where you can really benefit, maybe you don't have the big budgets or big spend. And use it more as more as the pure influencer channel it is, and and use it as a content hub. Um, there's a huge benefit and efficiency there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you got to be smarter with how you do it, and just don't think of it as TikTok. Think of it as short term video, short form video. And if you're going to build TikTok, but you're going to also use short form video for other mediums, then invest the heck out of it because short term video yep. is not going anywhere. Short form video is not going anywhere. Right. Our attention spans, you know, Trip and I talk over each other every show because our attention span is almost nothing. So yep. you need short form video. So if TikTok is part of your short form video strategy invest the crap out of it because it already doesn't exist in the state of Alabama. So who knows what's going to happen anyway? Well, um, no, I love what you said and not only uh, connect um, it to your content, make sure you're connected to your target audience. That's where I see the problem. Too many people think it's that shiny object you said, and therefore they need to do it. And they're, audience is not on TikTok. Correct. Uh, Last social media uh, shifting a little to B2B is LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn as a a B2B um, platform and just the targetability um, opportunity is it's it's second to none to any other social platform. Um, It's obviously more premium um, and you're going to pay more to get to that most qualified audience. But, um, you know, I think LinkedIn's invaluable to um, um, B2B marketing approach. Yeah, it's the same thing. You need a content strategy. LinkedIn yeah. is a piece of your content strategy. If you go in thinking you're just going to do LinkedIn, you're missing an opportunity to have a real, fully developed content strategy. Yeah, but if you're B two B, it's table stakes. You For need sure. to yeah. be. You Absolutely. need to have a straight, and that's but the key. He, but, but he's Don't right. Just it's, be very, out there. it's very well, expensive. It's very yes. expensive, and every mechanism you target further, it gets more expensive. So just Absolutely. be careful and don't just show your company. Don't just do it. Have well, a plan. And, and the one thing I'll just add on that quickly is I think understand the the tactics on LinkedIn because they they are full funnel. Um, they they're constantly evolving their tactics and you know there's ultimately um, you know whether it's webinars or different things they can offer to a brand there, there's a lot more range and you know they're offering than right. some other platforms absolutely okay last one uh, good one to end on here uh, sports marketing yeah one I'm obviously passionate about um, started my career in the sports sponsorship world um, I actually was gonna ask Nick a question here and Let's put it back it. on Nick but I wanted to kind of bring it back you had mentioned about live TV yeah. and sports um, where do you see live sports, you know, just seeing some of the change we're already seeing sure. with Amazon and knowing these big digital companies are sitting on so much cash and the, the cost of sports rights? Yeah, oh. I, I think the best way to say this is what's about to happen. Uh, what they say is going to happen with Bally's is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. They bought a lot. They spent a lot of money on it. All of a sudden, people are leaving the, the TV platform and go to connected TV. Uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL are thinking of buying Bally's just to rip up the old contracts to change the intellectual property so they can air their own games. Put it this way. Liberty Media 
should not be paying somebody to air the Braves games. Liberty Media is a media company. They want direct control. They want to do direct consumer. I think the one biggest thing that's going to change is you're not going to have to buy the Braves season. I think you'll be able to buy a game if you want to for 99 cents. You'll be able to buy the Friday package. I think they're going to make it easier to consume so it's easier for people to get what they want. Uh, I don't think the red zone model is going to continue to work because that whip around coverage hurts the teams. I think it helps the brand. Well, the the whole NFL direct, uh, you know, direct TV package is gone. I mean, it's going to, it's moving and everything's going to change. And it's going to be part of intellectual property, right? right? And it's a value to YouTube TV to own those rights. But it's going to also be, if you look at Amazon, that is, they don't just have Thursday night football. They are on red zone. They are, that's the one thing that's going to change that the internet offers that, that TV does not is those fully integrated events. I bet you Amazon's throwing NFL themed events. I bet you they came with a proposal that includes all these other things. And I think TV did a bad job of that. They are very much, man, we're TV. We have our commercials. That's the end of it. And I think most marketers don't want to end there. And we bought the whole thing. And what I'd love to see them do, and they do it here at Georgia Tech, my son's up at Clemson, and I get it all the time, is, hey, here's a four-game package. If with the new, you know, direct or not direct TV, but the new NFL package, if they came out and said, here's a subscription and it's an eight game and you can pick the eight games during the yep. season that you click like on, a, a ticketing that package. is the way to capture yep. the new audience, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's hard to negotiate that because how, what percentage does a team get? There are teams that are going to be more popular. Right, That's right. the one thing about the NFL is parity and they've yep. tried very hard, which is why at any time anyone could beat anybody. That's why yep. the hardcore gamblers don't bet NFL because yeah. any team can beat any team because of that parity. That's what makes that challenge. Yeah, look, I, we're talking about nuance that a lot of people yeah. don't know because we're so involved with the teams, but I think you will see a, a push towards social media channels integrating with apps, integrating with this. Yes. And that when that happens, it will be a better experience for the fans. And also, you cannot still understate how important sports betting will be to these sure. platforms. That yep. live sports yeah. betting, that window, whether it comes here or not, which I've been told a million times it's coming and I always get my hopes up and it doesn't, it is going and to change how sports are bet, done, and activated. On. And it will also impact the advertising medium because there's already a lot of money. We already see it. But that kind of like politics, that's going to throw even more money into the advertising for, media for, for from the betting. For now, because yeah. it's going to consolidate and you'll have two or three players, which is the yeah. opposite of what we want as a country. But every time we think we're going to have all this beautiful competition, it always comes down to four or five people right. who have the money to weather the storm, which is a shame. Yeah. Good place to end. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Charlie Legg, Blue Sky Agency, thanks for joining us on the Marketing Mad Men show and podcast. Uh, Trip Job and Nick Constantino signing off till next week. Take care, guys. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian-style or taco-style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. 
Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required.